Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined alongside my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field, back from another late-night flight west from U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, where the Packers, unfortunately, still could not put together a road victory. 24-17, to the final score this time against the division rival, Minnesota Vikings, and in a lot of ways, uh, a repeat of the game in Seattle in terms of the offense starting quickly, putting points on the board early in the game, and then things just became this monumental struggle to add to what you what you had done, and ultimately the home team prevails. Yeah, one of the quiet things that sort of changed after the bye week is the fact that the Packers have gotten off to some really strong starts. When you look at L.A., uh, to some extent, New England, uh, but the last two weeks against Seattle and Minnesota, really firing out of the gate right away, but just not able to sustain that. And that's almost in stark contrast to the first half of the season, right? Where it was sort of the uh, slow the, starts were the slow starts yeah. were bogging the team down, and then you're trying to make these rallies in the fourth quarter and everything. It's it's been a it's been a shift in in the way these games have gone, but certainly since the bye week, a lot of the, the same story keeps happening. Yeah, and a lot of guys in the locker room afterwards, as I'm sure you heard with Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers at the podium, just lamenting the fact that they just really can't have, they haven't been able to put their finger on what they need to do to be able to sustain that momentum throughout four quarters. Because when you look at that first quarter in a vacuum, Mike, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, six of eight for 71 yards and a touchdown. You get Don, uh, Devontae Adams involved early on. He catches his 10th touchdown of the year. Aaron Jones had, I believe, 43 total yards. Everything seemed to be pointing up for them. And then you get to that second half, and I believe the stat I dug up in my locker room report was that they had, I think it was, oh, man, was it 60 total yards in the next six series or something like that? What I remember looking at and writing on the plane as we were coming back is they had six consecutive possessions where they did not cross Minnesota's 40-yard line. Basically, six, and none of the possessions started any worse than the 25, than your own 25. So six straight possessions, not in bad field position, but nothing gets across the opponent's 40-yard line. So they never, really, six straight drives never even threaten to score. Yeah, and that's what's going to happen. And you look at the Minnesota Vikings. It was so funny, Mike, because I, you know, I was watching that first quarter develop, and... You know, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense just, you know, it looked it looked difficult. I mean, they, they just were not in sync at all. Yeah, those first two possessions for Minnesota, they 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 looked like they were struggling. Yeah, Alexander, uh, Jair Alexander ends up blocking Adam Thielen like three yards back into Stephon Diggs <laughs> on what was a bubble screen for a 10-yard loss. Right. And overall, it just looked like, okay, well, maybe this is finally the Packers' day to be able to, to put one of these things together and get a much-needed win on the road. But I give a lot of credit to to. Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen did get going eventually. Stephon Diggs has been a big possession receiver against the Packers for the last three years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's been his game. And while Green Bay did one of the things that you and I talked about in the lead-up to this in being able to make sure that the 31st-ranked rushing offense looks like the 31st-ranked rushing offense, Kirk Cousins had another big day through the air, 342 yards, three touchdowns, 129.5 passer rating, and with the Packers struggling to get anything going until the final drive of that game, yeah, just wasn't enough. Yeah, I mean, if you want to look at this game, in a game that <coughs> there were no interceptions and no fumbles, and we had talked all week long about how the Packers really needed to win the turnover battle, and winning the turnover battle in Minneapolis is how you beat the Vikings in their place. Neither team 
had a fumble or an interception, statistically the game came down to third down, Wes. The yeah. Vikings were 7 out of 14. They converted 50%. The Packers were 2 out of 10. You look at the first, the Packers' first two touchdowns, they scored on two of their first three possessions. On the opening touchdown drive, they had one third down. It was a third and one. It was converted. Then they had a third down they didn't get, and they punted. And then on the second touchdown drive, no third downs at all. Everything was either yeah. first and 10 or second and short. So you have 14 points on the board, but you've only faced two third downs. You converted one of them. The Packers then went on this run of seven consecutive third downs that they did not convert, and that has been the problem on offense all season long. Only one of them, if I recall, was a was a third and long after right. they took the delay a game on a third and eight. It was third and 13, and they took a sack. But other than that one, they were all, you know, in that third and seven, third and eight, you know, or less, you know, those those manageable down and distances. And for whatever reason, and I can't answer it, I'm not an X's and O's guy. I've never designed a, a football play. I've never coached the game. I don't know what is wrong on third down, but it's what is killing this offense because you can't just rely on scoring touchdowns by never getting in third down. They've done it a couple of times. They've had some nice drives where you don't even get to third down. You're moving smoothly. But if you cannot convert at least on a semi-consistent basis on third down in this league, you will lose. Yeah, it's tough. And and I think the thing that stood out to me the most in this game was the fact that it was in more third and manageable situations. Much like the Seattle game. Right. And prior to that, it was that, okay, you're getting in third and deep and, you know, the probability as as you go a yard back, it continues to fall. So, I mean, it's to somewhat understandable. But when you get into those third and four, third and five situations, yes, they're not, you know, I don't want to say automatic, but typically those are where you have to find a way to, to be able to push the football. The thing I think that surprised me the most about this performance is 17 carries for 72 yards with Aaron Jones, 4.2 yards per carry against the fifth-rank run defense in the league. Aaron Jones had been effective, and they fed him. Devontae Adams, while he did have a lull in the middle of that game, had some big plays, ends up going over 1,000 yards late in the fourth quarter. Right. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown steps up in the first half, had three catches for 53 yards. They had individuals rise to the challenge in this game, but I just think of that second and third quarter in particular, especially in the third quarter when they got the ball and a chance to potentially march down the field and reclaim the lead after Dan Bailey had two missed field goals in the second quarter. Right. And they just they weren't able to to get to execute that. Yeah, I mean, obviously the game the game turned on the possession in the third quarter where the Packers are on their own forty four yard line. They have third and one. Aaron Jones gets stuffed on third and one. Packers decide to go for it. It was at, he actually got what three quarters of a yard or yeah. whatever on third and one. So it's fourth and inches. Packers decide to go for it. There's a little bit of a of a snafu with the play clock and McCarthy thought the officials should have reset the play clock and they didn't do it. So the Packers burn a timeout, but they still stick with going for it there on fourth and one and, and Aaron Jones gets stuffed. Minnesota has a short field and that actually then becomes the first of two consecutive short fields, two possessions in a row for Minnesota that started in Green Bay territory. The second one then because of a, a you know, the sack on third and 13, the good punt return, a special teams penalty adds five yards. Minnesota, with those two possessions in Green Bay territory, gets 10 points, a field goal, and a touchdown. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a two-score game at that point, and, and the Packers just, they never closed to within one score until there were two minutes left in the ballgame. Yeah, it was interesting listening to Aaron Jones talk in the locker room because it almost sounded like he lamented 
more, uh, you know, the, the fourth down play than the third down one, even though he did have some positive yards on third down. The fourth down one, it just was the one where he felt like there was a chance to be able to penetrate that line and just wasn't able to get there. Whereas the third down one, you know, he just, you know, he credited them for making a good defensive play to be able to bottle that up. Uh, be that as it may, yeah, when, when you look at being able to give the short field uh, there to the Vikings, what they're able to do off of it, I thought the Packers' defense responded pretty well to adverse situations. Yeah. Uh, once again, certainly they still have not been able to get that takeaway, or at least that string of takeaways that I think you know you and I were discussing are almost required to be able to beat the Vikings in that venue. Yeah. But you know they got a couple three and outs early on. They got one after the break in halftime. Uh, Kenny Clark had a big sack on third and seven. Then obviously there was the muff punt. They get the ball back and actually hold their ground there with the Vikings going, you know, on fourth down instead of kicking the field goal. So there were, and Dean Lowry also had a sack that knocked him out of field goal range as well at one point. So in a vacuum, the defense was able to step up again in the face of some injuries. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is. You know, the Vikings are playing in their venue. They have those perimeter weapons that they have. I think Jair Alexander did an exemplary job for the most part against Thielen, but there's still things that they're going to be able to scheme up with him to free him up, and, and obviously him and Diggs both had a big day for them, and, and Kirk Cousins through the air. Yeah, all righty, Wes, a little bit of sponsor business here quickly. The Green Bay Packers get ready for game day with the powerful noise-canceling technology of Bose QuietComfort 35 Headphones 2. Learn more at www.bose.com Packers. Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. We'd be remiss here, Wes, if we didn't mention a little bit of history being made by Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams in this game as disappointing as the final result was but as you mentioned earlier he goes over a thousand yards for the first time in his career Um, he also gets his 10th touchdown reception of the season which gives him three consecutive seasons now with double digit touchdowns and he becomes the first Packers receiver to do that since Sterling Sharp back in the early 90s 92 to 94 those first three years with Brett Favre at quarterback, and Devontae Adams still has five games to go. I'm I'm very interested to see, because of where his numbers are and with, with five games remaining to play, and knock on wood, he remains healthy this year so far, certainly, where this season for him as a Packers receiver might end up in the team's record books, because it's got a chance to rank way up there. Yeah, it's going to be up there, uh, You know, assuming he stays on the field one way or another. He's just been that consistent throughout the course of the season. The Packers have needed that, too, You know, with Randall Cobb now missing six of the last eight. Jeronimo Allison ended up on IR, uh, and then having a lot of rookie receivers and Jimmy Graham dealing with the thumb injury. Devontae Adams has been the constant through all of that. Yep. 77 catches now on the season, 122 yards, 10 touchdowns, as you explained, Mike. But I, I know it's going to be a very little consolation to him. If you know him, he is an incredibly competitive individual. The wins and the losses are ultimately the thing that are going to drive him. But what he's doing to try to give this offense a chance, you go to that fourth quarter, Mike, the 36-yard catch along the sideline against Xavier Rhodes. That's what gave them uh, that explosive play they needed. Got him over 1,000 yards on the season. Aaron Rodgers also had him open in the end zone uh, on the play that they ended up having to settle for the Mason Crosby field goal. Yep, just, just off his fingertips. Not able to connect. Yep. His footwork, ability to gain separation in any portion, in any version of the route tree is impressive. And seeing where he takes this thing in the final month of the season, uh, he's just such a big part of this offense now. He is the playmaker mm. of this offense. He saw Jordy Nelson do it for a number of years. Devontae Adams is the guy now. He is the man. 
And for him now to be one of nine guys, I think over 1,000 yards on the season, I believe the only receiver in the NFL with 10 touchdowns in each of the past three seasons now, if I have that correct, it's impressive what he's done in all facets of the game and all you know, areas of the field. Yeah, you mentioned the 36-yard catch down the sideline in the fourth quarter. That could end up being an incredibly costly play for the Minnesota Vikings yeah. because we saw Xavier Rhodes, a great cornerback, really impressive player, and, and a guy that, that I have a lot of respect for. And I enjoy watching him. I enjoyed watching that Devontae Adams-Xavier Rhodes matchup. They were going head-to-head all game long, but Rhodes came up with what looked like a pretty bad hamstring injury, you know, not really able to walk off the field um, all that smoothly after that happened. And I talked about it last year, Wes. I mean, I really felt in the playoffs for Minnesota, I know they got the great miracle play to beat New Orleans, but in that NFC championship against Philadelphia, when Xavier Rhodes was kind of in and out of the game with an injury, and yeah. then ultimately when he left that game, it, like Minnesota's defense just didn't look the same. Right. And you just wonder, Minnesota is 6-4-1. and one. They're right in the thick of it here for the playoffs. But if Rhodes is out for any extended period of time, that's going to make it a lot tougher on this defense because he, re- he really, really is a top-notch player. So I used to cover preps you know, at the Press Gazette. I did too. And I was young <laughs> at that time, and I didn't really fully understand what it felt like to have a soft muscle injury. So, you know, somebody in track and field or something like that would sustain a hamstring injury, and I would always be like, oh, you know, they'll be able to tape it up and wrap it up and go. And over the years, as you get older and as you, you're around more of these things, you understand how difficult those injuries are, yeah. particularly in the lower body. The thing that's scary as far as roads, and this is obviously just speculatory at this point, but speculative, is the fact that his how much he struggled to get off the field. Yeah, Guys can have a strain or a tear of their hamstring and walk fine off the field. They just can't explode when they're trying to get in and out of the routes or when they're trying to come off a break as a cornerback. Rhodes really looked rough in that moment, so yeah. we'll have to see exactly what he did. I, I have a lot of respect for him. He was phenomenal on the conference call, talking about that matchup with Devontae Adams last week, uh, the excitement there for both of those parties matching up with each other basically every single play. So, yeah, you definitely don't want to see it go down like that. Yeah, all right, Wes. Well, at Homer here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy, so grab a warm bowl. Of Campbell's Chunky Soup, its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, Wes, here's where the Packers are. Four, six, and one after 11 games. The Chicago Bears, after their win on Thanksgiving with their backup quarterback, give them credit, they are eight and three. So... For all practical purposes, the division is out of reach. You're three games back in the loss column to the division leader with with five games to go. The Packers essentially, to have any shot at the playoffs, they have to win out. They have to win all five games. They have to get to 9-6-1. and one. And the math is pretty simple in the sense that if you look at it right now, there are four second-place teams, including the Vikings. There are four second-place teams in the NFC that have six victories. If two of those teams get to 10 victories, right. it's over for the Packers right. because that's two wildcard spots that the Packers can't break into with a 9-6-1 and one record. Now, it's crazy to talk about winning five straight with a team that hasn't won on the road and they haven't won two games in a row all season long, let alone thinking about trying to win five in a row. But the reality is that's all, as Packers fans, that anybody has to hang on to right now. That's all the locker room has to hang yeah. on to. It is one week at a time. But if that's all you have to hang on to, then you might as well hang on to it and look at the situation for what it is. And 
the Packers have to run it here, and they're going to have to get some help so that 9-6-1 and one will be good enough. I did, if you go back a couple weeks ago, I actually did say I thought with the way that this wild card was shuffling out with and how much parity there is that 9-6-1 and one could potentially you know, get in over a 9-7 and seven team. I think it's possible there's a 9-win team in the playoffs. But the problem for the Packers right now is coming off of that loss to Seattle, then you lose to Minnesota, take away the division implications. That's a team right now that's the fifth seed if the playoffs ended today, or the playoffs started today, the right. season ended today. Um, the Cowboys have pulled themselves back into this thing at 6-5. and five. You have the Carolina Panthers at 6-5. and five. The Eagles scratching and clawing their way past the Giants to go to 5-6 and six on the season. So there's a lot of bodies in front of them at this point. Yep. I thought Brian, Brian Balaga was phenomenal in the locker room uh, after the game and, and took a lot of ownership and, exp- you know, I, I thought really explained where this team is at and that, you know, there's still belief, there's still hope, there's still confidence in that locker room, but it is what it is. And the focus for the Packers now, as much as it hurts to not have a win on the road yet, everything goes into the Arizona Cardinals. The reality is you're 4-0-1 and one at home, yep. whatever the record is on the road. Right. If you don't win these two games over the Cardinals and the Falcons and keep that momentum going going forward, it doesn't matter what the outlook of the season is going into Soldier Field in two weeks, so three weeks. But um, be that as it may, uh, Packers are what they are. The record is what it is. And now they need some help, and they need to find some victories. They need to get on a winning streak. Yeah, they need to put together a winning streak. You have back-to-back home games now. This is the opportunity to do it. And if you win these back-to-back home games, then the next time you go on the road, you still got a fighting chance. And to make another point here, and we'll talk about the Cardinals later this week, but as I said before, the frustrating thing for the Packers is they've been in every single one of these games. Mm -hmm. Six road losses, four of them within one score. The Cardinals got blown out of the water on Sunday by the by the Chargers. And that's not the first time this year that's no, happened. No, they've been really battling this season with some, you know, some big things. So, for the Packers' perspective, you got to be able to flush it here these next two days. See who you have available from a health perspective and pick up a win over a, a Arizona Cardinals team that you should beat. Yeah. That that's where things are right now. Yeah, and there are some injuries to deal with with the Packers and we'll get to uh, those if we get some updates uh, for our next show. But with that, we're going to call it a day on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's still at Wes Hod. I'm still at Mike Spofford. And at Packers is still the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.